done. There it is. All right. Welcome, 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 everybody. I'm super excited. You all are going to hear me, fangirl. Uh, it, our guest already did, but it's going to happen again. We're going to have a great time with uh, somebody really awesome. You all just hang tight. Practicing polyamory, real life perspectives from the imperfect people of polyamory. The mission of the Practicing Polyamory podcast is to provide a platform for all of the real-life flawed humans that practice polyamory so that we might all learn from one another and grow as a community. Enjoy the show. All right, we're <laughs> dancing. We're having a good time. We're having some fun. So welcome, welcome, everybody, to this beautiful Wednesday. Uh, before we jump in and chat with today's awesome guest, I want to quickly remind everybody to please follow the show on all social media platforms, especially Facebook and Instagram, where I'm most active. You can find us everywhere at Practicing Poly A. Following and sharing the content is a free and easy way to support the show. Speaking of free and easy ways to support the show, the best way is to subscribe and share. If you find value in what we're doing here, share it with your Polycule, share it with your friends, share it far and wide, especially in your Poly Facebook groups, and subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever it is that you're downloading your podcast. I also want to let everybody know that the scheduling for uh, season one of the Practicing Polyamory podcast is almost closed. My mission is to get as many differing and inclusive voices on this show, and I need help to get some POC representation up in here if you're a person of color and would like to tell your story hit me up and for the record next season is going to be much different in that sense i promise you that lastly and as always i want to remind you if you are listening to this podcast you are a welcome guest to be on the show my job as your host is to be actively inclusive and get as many voices as possible to speak here because i know that the more stories we hear the more representation we'll have the more others will see us in themselves and the better we can serve our community so poc folks go to practicingpolyamory.com sign up today for the last few spots available in season one which ends on halloween all right that's my spiel now ladies and gentle thems let's get on to the best part of our show which is introducing our awesome guest now, if last week I was talking to one of the coolest people on the internet, today's guest is one of the queens. If you are polyamorous and on Instagram, chances are that you are already familiar with our guest's work. She is an incredible creator of polyamorous content. She is a meme queen extraordinaire. She is creative, hilarious, witty, and she is kicking ass all the way around in the social media game. Like I said, if you're on Insta, you probably already know all that. But did you know that she's also a project manager, plays guitar, sings, is a voice actor, has recorded four polyamorous audiobooks, and has an entire online store dedicated to polyam representation and merchandise? Did you know that? Did you know that? I know I'm just talking her up now, but today's guest is hashtag goals, and she's accomplished all of this at such a young age, I cannot help but to be impressed. Joining us today from the UK, gracing us with her magnificence, from the Polyphilia blog, welcome to the show, Leanne! Hi, oh my god, what an introduction! (laughs) (laughs) I was expecting my producer to jump in and play that, but... uh... (laughs) Welcome, Leanne, welcome to the show, thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. I'm very excited. (laughs) Had to get that energy up. I don't know if, uh, you know, (laughs) you've done any podcasts quite like this before, but uh, all about having fun, getting the energy, raising the roof, 
having a good time. Anyway, uh, enough about me. Let's talk about you. Uh, tell me about yourself. Um, you are how old exactly? I'm 22. 22 years old. You are killing it in the Instagram game. You are doing all of these different things. You are recognized <laughs> as one of the, like, top people like you, you you're just highly recognized in the polyamorous community you get Damn! exactly right <laughs> your stuff gets shared everywhere by everyone even by willow smith who's probably like the most highest celebrity i guess yeah um, she shared my posts about eight times now i've been counting <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i would be too <laughs> So tell me about your journey. Tell me a little bit about uh, just who you are. Um, what, how did you discover polyamory, first of all? And I, I don't know if I'm going to ask, how'd you get so creative? But we'll talk about the, your creativity later. <laughs> uh, sure. So um, I my polyamory journey uh, started earlier than most people. So my first open relationship was when I was 17 years old. Um, and at some point, you know, it, it kind of started kind of generally non-monogamous. Um, but then my first polyamorous relationship is the one that I'm currently in, which has been going on for about three years now. Mm -hmm. um, and I guess, I mean, it's it's a pretty long story, <laughs> to be honest. Um, but then I pretty much realized uh, really early on that uh, trust and honesty are more important than monogamy and that I wanted to show my commitment to people in more meaningful ways than just like not falling in love with or having sex with other people. Um, and, um, you know, I, I figured out for myself that kind of a non-monogamous relationship was what I wanted. I didn't want to be held back in that way and I didn't want to hold my partners back. Um, I definitely have made a, a ton of mistakes on the way, kind of uh, met all kinds of people uh, and, you know, like, uh, you know, just had a bunch of experiences. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. It's kind of led me to like where I am today. And I guess kind of my mission is to um, kind of normalize polyamory, particularly Love for that. younger generations. Um, and yeah, and to do that through viral memes. <laughs> I mean, that's the way to get any information across almost it seems like <laughs> these days and i love reading your stuff you always you always put such good stuff but um talking about the the younger generation um i mean obviously you have nothing to compare it to but it seems to me like your generation really is just generally more accepting and um you know i all right growing up for me I feel like if if I had talked about any of this stuff when I was, you know, 17, people definitely would have been like, what? That's crazy. Oh, hell no. Something along those lines, right? Yeah. So <laughs> what what has your experience been as far as your, like, group of friends, I guess? Well, I'm fortunate to be surrounded by a group of people who are all relatively open-minded. Um, and so, you know, and so I, I came out as a polyamorous at university. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, obviously there are some people who kind of don't understand it, don't get it. But the thing about university is that there's so many people there that if you don't want to interact with someone, you could just not. Um, and mm -hmm. so... Um, I haven't kind of faced much direct backlash. Um, and so, you know, I'm, I'm very lucky in that sense. I think in smaller communities, I probably have like more mm -hmm. issues. Um, yeah, I mean, among my group of friends, like no one's kind of said anything to me directly. And like the people who I hang out with are all either kind of polyamorous or um, have a partner who's polyamorous who, or um, is, yeah, just generally 
um, pretty accepting. Um, I also founded the Polyamory Society um, at my university as a student society. Um, it's still running. Uh, I've since uh, graduated. I graduated last year in uh-huh. 2020. Congratulations. Woo! Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> what a year was, to graduate. It was a time. Um, but yeah, like I, uh, you know, the society still running has about kind of 50 members or something like that. So it's not like okay. a huge deal, but I, I kind of um, raised awareness about um kind of you know monogamy not being the only option of healthy relationships mm-hmm. on campus um so the most of the judgment i have received has been from um older people to be honest i mean right. um you know on the internet obviously <laughs> every day all the time um but in my personal life you know from my parents um and you know just who whoever kind of i like talk about uh my life to who is you know um like not from my generation mm-hmm. um and you know it's hard but like i i think you know you just have to push through right i mean what choice do we have food yeah can't can't un come out i guess can't unsay it mm-hmm. um you mentioned normalizing it when it comes to normalizing it what exactly is your message like what how would you put it into words that you want yeah how would you put it into words your your message your mission uh the things that that that, what normalizing means to you sure well i think like a big thing um is to talk about kind of how polyamory can be healthy and you know how like that looks like for me and for other people um you know most of like the memes that i make about polyamory are not kind of educational um kind of polyamory 101 stuff you know i do some of that as well because obviously um like i have to educate um but most of most of the memes are for people who are already practicing polyamory kind of Mm -hmm. content that they can relate to like in daily life um and yeah that's just kind of like what i want to make memes about like memes like that um kind of regular polyamorous people can relate to and share um and laugh at and kind of connect with other people on um and so that's kind of part of it but then i guess also another thing apart from just talking about how amazing it is I just kind of want to normalize it in terms of um, presenting polyamorous people as just regular people like everyone else. You know, we're not like, for example, you know, with the jealousy thing, I get plenty of people going like, wow, so you don't get jealous? No, obviously not. You know, like like, as in, obviously I do feel jealous. Um, Mm -hmm. Like polyamorous people aren't like a different species. We're not superhumans, you know? Um, We just kind of handle things in a different way. And, um, And I guess also, allowing people to make mistakes in polyamory i get the sense that um because people uh, people kind of assume that polyamorous relationships never work mm-hmm. polyamorous relationships are held to such a high standard um that right. like you know if they don't last um then everyone just immediately assumes that like oh you know polyamory doesn't work whereas like if a monogamous uh, monogamous relationship broke up no one thinks that it's because of monogamy right they right. Just think it's because of the people involved um, so yeah, I guess there are a couple of facets to it, but it's generally, generally just these things like talking about how it can be healthy, talking about like the, you know, the positives as well as the negatives and also just like, uh, talking about like regular life as a polyamorous person, as opposed to like just the educational 101 stuff that you see on other platforms. Yeah. Let's talk about, uh, healthy polyamory and what do you think is like those defining factors? What do you think are the things that like really make polyamory healthy compared to when it's not i think for me um so i'm very picky <laughs> when it comes to uh choosing kind of partners i think 90 percent of healthy polyamory is good partner selection um mm. and 
I like I think the most important thing to me is um just good communication skills mm-hmm. um and you know and apart from that I think kind of emotional maturity is really important so I look for people who are able to uh, you know know their emotions and able to accurately express them without also making their emotions my responsibility um so you know it's being aware of your emotions but also um taking responsibility and accountability for them and not becoming the emotions um, and acting out on them in unhealthy ways. I think like that has more than anything um, been like the key um, to um, kind of a healthy polyamorous dynamic. Um, And I think it's also important to be direct. I think in monogamous society, um, not to denigrate or anything, but I just mean that uh, I think there's a narrative that if you find the one, you find your soulmate, whatever, they're just supposed to get you. They're just supposed Mm -hmm. to intuitively understand you um as uh, like as a person you don't have to say anything because you know they, they like it's already been said or like or right. things like that um and yeah that has to be absolutely thrown completely out the window um in 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 polyamory you really have to be direct with people um and this is especially important to me um because i'm autistic and uh, i think you know if pe- people are talking about societal scripts i don't i'm not aware of these scripts <laughs> i think that's kind of why uh polyamory kind of drew me uh, you know, just appeal to me um, as a person because um, I like I'm not operating in a framework where pe- other people know the rules and I'm the only person who doesn't know what's going on. Like everything, every, everyone is working together and on the same level um, in that sense. When I spoke to a therapist recently, um, the, she was on the show. Uh, her name was uh, B. Lorenko, and she actually specializes in working with people who are um, uh, neurodivergent. Mm-hmm. And so uh, one of the things that we talked about was, you know, being on, on uh, the autism spectrum and that directness, right? The directness that you, oh, I love your mug, by the mm. way. Another one of the another one of those things that if you are uh, listening on the podcast, you'll want to tune into the YouTube so you can see the uh, cute little cat mug. Um, yeah, I'll put it up to the camera. There you go. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah. And you know what? Let's just cheap plug it now. Where can people find that? <laughs> You're gonna find it at polyphiliashop.radbubble.com. Um, and yeah, I mean the link is down there um and you know Perfect. apart from apart from this mug which is you know three cats in shape of heart with the word compassion um you can find this is my best-selling product but i have a bunch of other things as well kind of like rainbow infinity hearts and uh like a polyamory pride flags and kind of just various other things yeah go check it out <laughs> Perfect, perfect. It was the perfect time to do it. Uh, but we'll do it again <laughs> later anyway for uh, sure. anybody who might have missed it. Um, okay, so so talking about the polyamory and that directness. So that was definitely something that that uh, stood out to me as a way of communicating with somebody who's on the spectrum. Can you give me a, some examples of maybe like a time when somebody told you, didn't give you quite direct, you know, the communi- the direct communication that you needed and how you went about, you know, resolving that afterwards, because I'm sure there was some kind of a miscommunication there. Sure. Um, I'm thinking back to uh, my first open relationship back when I was 17. Um, and uh, basically kind of my, my partner at the time, um, whenever he got angry or upset, um, instead of, you know, directly kind of talking to me about it and addressing it um, with me, he just sulk um he just kind of sit around and like mooch about you know slam doors or whatever Mm -hmm. and not say anything 
Um, and this this only kind of served to really confuse me more than anything else, because if he wasn't saying anything, I would just think, oh, he's just minding his own business. Um, he's just doing his own thing. You know, he'll come talk to me like when when he's ready. Like I, I, I literally had no kind of awareness of like that he was upset um, at me about anything. Um, but then, you know, he was just kind of sitting there expecting me to like to come to him and go, hey, what's wrong or, or something like that. And when I didn't do that, um, he got even more angry and then just kind of blew up at me um, afterwards for going like, why didn't, why didn't you come to me? And I was like, what are you talking about? He was like, I was upset. And I was like, well, how was I supposed to know? Um, so th things like that, you know, like, whereas yeah. kind of my partner now, like he knows that I'm like this, you know, cause I, I, I'm not particularly good at reading facial expressions. Um, it doesn't come naturally to me. Um, and mm -hmm. so if he's upset about me, uh, upset at me about something, then he'll come to me and go like, Hey, um, you know, I'm, I'm feeling X, Y, Z because you did X, Y, Z made me feel blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Um, it would be great if we could work together to achieve blah, blah, blah. Um, and okay. that's, uh, I, and you know, I, I really think this should be normalized to be honest. I don't think this should be a thing that's just like for neurodivergent people. I really think that if people just had these tools, um, just in regular conversation, mm -hmm. um, we would all be better off because people misinterpret other people's actions all the time. Um, they they project their own intentions onto other people. Um, they're kind of, they let their insecurities kind of get the better of them and then assume things about what their partners are doing or thinking. Mm -hmm. And it just doesn't serve us um, in the long run. And so, you know, polyamory gives me the framework to um, kind of not live by the, if they love you, they'll get you kind of narrative. Um, and instead just like be real about it with people. Um, and, you know, people have kind of met with, uh, like met me um, on like on that wavelength. And um, I've been, you know, my life has been the better for it. 60% of the time it works every time. <laughs> yeah, I, I love that you're you're talking about using that as just a general tool across the board. Like it shouldn't be necessarily something that's only for somebody who's uh, uh, neurodivergent. Um, and you're saying uh, the things that you were talking about. It sounds like the nonviolent communication uh, type of mentality. Is that ring a bell to you? Is that yeah, I know. I know the one you're talking about, Marshall P. Rosenberg, right? But um, I haven't actually read the book. It's it's in my it's in my Audible library, um, but I have <laughs> not read it yet. But I but I intend to. I've heard many good things. Nice, nice, nice. Yeah, I, I I haven't read it either. I've just listened to like podcasts and different things about it. Read you know little snippets of it, and anyway. Um, <laughs> Okay, so one of the things that stood out to me as you're telling me that story is that your partner at the time was kind of throwing a tantrum to, you know, in a way, like, and expecting you to uh, pick up on it. So uh, what I hear relating back to something else that you said was taking ownership of our own emotions. Mm -hmm. And in, I mean, just just generally speaking, in relationships, we should be doing that anyway, but that for me is definitely something that I learned, especially like within the polyamorous teachings or the polyamorous scope of, of, of learning, I guess. Um, so what does it mean to you to take ownership of your emotions when it comes to managing multiple relationships? I guess, um, I think the main thing is to separate out, um, when you're feeling hurt about something, um, and whether someone actually hurt you, 
you know, because like this is back to what I said about, um, you know, how sometimes we project our insecurities onto other people and then we assume things about um, like what they meant or what they said that mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. wasn't actually the case. Right. Um, so then, you know, if my partner, for example, right, um, I'm, I'm not talking about my personal life here, I'm just taking example out of thin air. But for example, right, if your partner goes on a date with someone else and like has a fun time um, or, you know, if your partner comes out to you as polyamorous or non-monogamous, um, a lot of people would view it as a personal attack. Right. Mm -hmm. um, actually, I'm going to use like the second example. So I think because I think that's probably more um, relatable to more people. So, for example, right. Um, I have on Twitter, I've seen so many tweets where people are just like, if my partner suggested an open relationship, I'd kill myself. Or if my partner suggests an open relationship, then it means X, Y, Z about them or me or like there's something wrong with the relationship, mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. Um, but then I think, you know, it's important to kind of separate out like feeling hurt about a situation and then whether your partner actually hurt you by like what they what, what they did, because someone talking uh, coming out as polyamorous and monogamous and expressing um, like a relationship style that they want is not attacking you. It's not attacking your worth. It's not attacking kind of your abilities as a partner. Um, it's not attacking the relationship that you have. This is just a desire that they have and it doesn't mean anything about you. Um, and so this is what I mean about kind of like when I say take ownership of your emotions is to kind of like acknowledge that you're feeling a certain way. Obviously kind of, you know, the only thing worse than um, a feeling negative emotions is to acknowledge that they're not there. But, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, but, but then to also separate that out from kind of what your partner has done and to go like, is this just me? You know, am I, am I projecting? Uh, is there kind of trauma or like assumptions or insecurities that I have that are making me feel this way? Um, or like, is my partner like actually like trying to hurt me? And, um, and also kind of taking a more collaborative approach with your partner instead of a combative approach, um, is kind of, um, kind of how I, how I do things. Um, yeah, yeah. so yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, why wouldn't you want to collaborate with your partner instead of fight them, right? That just makes that just makes the most sense. Um, oh, you're right. And when you're right, you're right. And you, you're always right. <laughs> Still trying to think of that thought that I just had. Um, <laughs> Spaceballs, do you recognize that movie? Uh, no, I'm not a particular <laughs> film guru, sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay, that's okay. Um, self-awareness is the thought that I had. That's, that's, uh, what kept ringing to me as you were going through this. It seems like it really takes a lot of self-awareness to be able to manage one's emotions the way that you're, uh, describing. And just gonna throw this out there. I imagine that you have a high self-awareness um, and I think this is just my theory. Tell me what you think about this. I think that that high level of self-awareness is what uh, is what, what feeds your creative juices when you're talking about when you're creating all of these memes. What do you think? <laughs> um, I haven't drawn a connection between those things necessarily. Um, I would say that, I definitely consider myself a confident person. Um, you know, I kind of, I know what I want. I'm not afraid of rejection. I'm not um, kind of afraid of failure. And so I just kind of try things out and then if it works, I just keep doing it. Mm -hmm. um, and um, so I guess that's kind of why I like being a creative because yeah, I mean, being creative is all about just trying and failing and trying again. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so then, yeah, I guess that kind of, 
uh, that kind of feeds into it. But I wouldn't necessarily draw that to um, kind of a high self-awareness. Although, you know, who knows, you know, um, I'm sure someone can psychoanalyze this and tell me otherwise. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm just thinking the, the, the memes that you come up with are always, you know, funny and relatable and, you know, I, I, like I said, that's just my theory that in order to be able to be that relatable, you like really have to understand where you are and and what your thinking is in the way that other people would be able to relate to it. So I I don't know. I, I, I love what you're doing. Uh, do you have any favorites? Like what are some of your favorite memes that you've created? Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> let me think about this. Um I think, oh god. Okay, I think probably. I mean, I have I have very fond memories of my first meme. Um, <laughs> um, so, like, if you know, you know. But um, there's like the surprised Pikachu meme that was circling um, sometime last year. I mean, and um, basically, my first ever meme was kind of the surprised Pikachu meme, and the caption um, was. Um, like something along the lines of like when you realize in the middle of your in the middle of your date that your date didn't read your dating profile and didn't see the word like polyamorous um or, or something like if you, when you talk about your partners and then like yeah your date's looking shocked and you realize you didn't read your bio something <laughs> less worthy something less worthy than that like yeah, I, yeah. like you have to see it right <laughs> mm -hmm. like i describe memes horribly it's not as funny in this way um, <laughs> but I, and I, I guess another favorite just because like it was kind of um like because uh, some of my memes are humorous some of them are uh they 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 kind of generate discussion and some of them are just kind mm -hmm. of social commentary um and one of my kind of social commentary memes was um one that i made back in january um which was so on uh, January 6th, obviously, you know, the, the thing at the Capitol happened. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and it was later revealed that the woman who was shot at the Capitol, um, Ashley Babbitt, was actually in a polyamorous triad. Oh, right. um, and obviously the internet lost their shit over that. Um, and I, and basically I made a meme about kind of polyamorous representation. And so there was a photo I said, the polyamorous representation we want. And then I put a photo of the TV show Sense8. Uh -huh. And then the polyamorous representation we got and then I put a photo of Ashley Babbitt and Tiger King. Um, <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> and Tiger King. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so people, so then, so then kind of that caused quite a lot of uh, kerfuffle because, because people were talking about, you know, uh, oh my God, you know, I can't, I can't believe that like there are conservatives who are polyamorous and people had to really like confront that because I think some people found that difficult to accept. Um, and then mm. there was also discussion about kind of good polyamorous representation in the media and kind of examples of what we've seen. And then um, just, uh, yeah, just talking about how um, waking up to the fact that like polyamory is not a utopia and that, um, you know, there are people of all kinds of political identities um, within the community and that we're not a monolith. Boom. I, you're, you're saying that and I'm sitting here thinking, oh, shoot, that is like a realization for me. Like, there are conservative poly like <laughs> it they have to exist obviously <laughs> um one of the recent pieces that you created uh was the jealousy compersion scale yeah and a lot of people seem to think that you're either jealous or you're compersive right and there mm -hmm. you're on some kind of a scale but your meme brought to the surface that you know what actually you can feel both can you tell me what inspired that? 
Um, I guess it was a combination of things. Um, so I'm in a lot of polyamory Facebook groups, um, mm-hmm. a lot of discussion groups because like it's super active and very well moderated, and I do enjoy the discussions on there and just reading stories by random people I don't know. Um, but there's a common trend that I see um, in these discussion groups where jealousy is demonized. Mm-hmm. Um, and compersion is kind of elevated to be like this holy grail of polyamory. Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously, it, so, uh, so personally, right, um, I'm not a very jealous person, naturally. I, you know, in the five years that I've practiced polyamory, um, I can count on one hand the number of times that I've experienced jealousy. It's not, it, I'm just, it, it's just not a thing that happens for me very often. And I'm very lucky to be able to say that um, because I definitely know that's not the case for everyone. Right. Um, but, you know, I I do kind of see how, you know, people are constantly just like demonizing people for feeling jealousy. You know, someone will post in a group and say like, yeah, you know, I have these difficult feelings and I feel like my partner's going to leave me. And then everyone's just like, you're being stupid. You shouldn't feel this like this. And, you know, just talk to your partner and like, you know, you need to grow as well. Like, and here are some books and like, and then all your trauma will go away. Um, and I just, I just, I don't like that. <laughs> I don't yeah. think that's very, very realistic or, you know, and I, I think people can find it alienating. Um, yes. And, you know, the other side of the coin is obviously compersion. You know, people talk about compersion um, all the time. And obviously it's wonderful. You know, I'm, I'm a very compulsive person. I feel it very easily. Um, you know, I, it is a great feeling, you know. Um, but I don't think you have to feel compersion to practice healthy polyamory, you know. Um, it's kind of like you know, you you can you can kind of support your partners like on their personal journeys and uh, and stuff like that without like necessarily jumping for joy like when you see them with their partners or anything like that. I don't think um, that's a necessary ingredient. Um, I think this is also kind of a um, product of um, how people also glorify kitchen table polyamory, like the idea that everyone has to get along and everyone has to be best of friends and a big happy family. When to be honest, a lot of people date separately from their partners and parallel mm-hmm. polyamory is equally as valid. You know, um, yes. I'm in a pretty like kitchen table poly dynamic, um, but this was not some, this was completely organic. This wasn't something I forced. I am very, very lucky to have partners who are like, very, very good friends with each other. Um, but equally, I've also had metamorphs who I've never met. I've had metamorphs who I've met once or twice and then just, you know, just been like, yeah, okay, cool. You know, have fun, you know, um, and that's fine. And so, yeah, I guess, you know, because people keep glorifying like the idea that everyone has to be one big happy family, then, you know, you have to be like, since you're spending all this time together, like obviously like you have to like in that space, like be happy Mm -hmm. for your partner as well as you're just miserable all the time. Um, And I guess kind of like my idea behind that was just to say, you know, there isn't, it isn't a sliding scale between jealousy and compersion. It's more like, you know, you have a jealousy index and you have a compersion index. And sometimes like you can feel conflicting emotions at the same time. You know, that's the why the word bittersweet exists, you know, like, for example, like your friend uh, has a promotion, right? And you're really happy for them, but they're also moving away. And, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, they're using moving away to another town. You can be really happy for them, but also be sad at the same time. And in the same way, like in polyamory, um, like you can feel like really happy for your partner that they're having such a great time, but also kind of feel like jealous feelings about that. So um, I guess I just kind of wanted to bring attention to that. And also finally, the final point to make um, is that um, if you don't feel jealousy or compersion, that's fine as well. Um, I think like getting, I think when people are like, oh, you know, if you're feeling like super jealous, like you have to work and like get to compersion, whatever. And I think that's quite a lofty goal. I think that working towards a place where you just don't feel jealous um, is probably the first step 
before working towards compersion. And I would even go so far as to argue that you don't have to work towards compersion if that is just not something that you want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, like I think just um, getting to like a place of neutrality um, like is, is, is the best way to go about it. Boom, nailed it. I wasn't aware that was something a person could do. Oh, I, love <laughs> I that know one. that one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I 100% agree with you. Neutrality is also acceptable. Um, I mean, jealousy can really be damaging and harmful. So, you know, probably want to work your way out of that, but not necessarily with a goal to make it to compersion. Neutrality is equally acceptable. Now, speaking of jealousy, you recently did an audiobook for the Jealousy Workbook. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, I did. It came out uh, earlier this year. Yeah. <laughs> and you've um, done four uh, four audiobooks altogether on polyamorous topics. Five now, as of yesterday. Five. five. <laughs> Dang. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know what? I, I, I'm going to give you the floor. Let's go ahead and just plug you now. Um, I mean, it's just tell us where we can find you and what we can find from you. Uh, sure. Um, so regarding kind of, um, audiobooks specifically, I mean, um, I've narrated five audiobooks on polyamory, four of them are nonfiction and one of them is fiction. Um, the fiction one is a children's book, um, a color named love. Um, it's a, it's very, very, very cute. Um, and you can find them on my website. Um, my website is linked below and, you know, you can just kind of, uh, like there's a, there's a link to my audiobooks like on the main page. Um, as for just generally where to find me, um, I'm at Polyphilia blog on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Uh, I think that's it. Might expand to more platforms. Who knows? We'll, we'll see if I have time. Um, but I'm most active on those four platforms. And I actually just reached 10,000 followers on TikTok today. So um, that was Woo! super cool. Yeah, I joined it two weeks ago and it's just skyrocketed. Yeah, <laughs> it's been a good time. Yeah, I mean, even your content there has been just amazing. You you just keep killing it and impressive all the way around. Thank you. <laughs> I was going for that. <laughs> uh, Leanne, thank you again so much for, uh, you know, spending some time with me. Uh, really, it's it's been such a pleasure. Uh, I want to ask you, is there anything that, I missed anything that you wish that I had asked or any final thoughts you want to leave with the audience? Um, I mean, I can talk about kind of, well, apart from like where you can find me, um, that like, I also offer peer support sessions for people who are exploring non-monogamy. Um, I like, I offer my services worldwide to individuals and couples. Um, and yeah, like peer support sessions, you can find information about that on my website. Um, I've received like great reviews and I've worked with people all around the world. So, um, so that's, that's something I really enjoy doing. I just kind of want to use, um, kind of my experiences to help other people. Um, and yeah, um, like I mentioned earlier, you can find my shop where you can find things like this mug and a bunch of other things. Um, and yeah, you know, stay curious. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. Thank you so much again. Uh, really, really appreciate you hanging out with me today. Yeah, thank you so much for inviting me on the show. Really, really had a great time.
Awesome. Thanks. And thank you, as always, to our live audience for tuning in today. As a reminder, when we're live, you get no commercial interruptions. The same can't be said for the podcast download. So if you want to avoid the commercial interruptions, be sure to catch us live Monday through Wednesday, 2.30 Pacific time, special time today. Uh, or sign up for our sp- Patreon where you get access to our commercial-free RSS feed and support the show. Don't forget to subscribe on YouTube, wherever it is that you download podcasts. And if you haven't already, please leave us a review. Really, really appreciate it. Thank you again, Leanne. Thank you so much. All right, everybody. Till next week. Have a nice day. Thank you for tuning in to the Practicing Polyamory podcast. Would you or someone in your polycule like to be a guest? Sign up at practicingpolyamory.com and join the conversation. Please support us by subscribing, liking, and following us on social media at Practicing Polya by clicking any of the affiliate links on our website or by subscribing at patreon.com slash practicingpolya.